0: It is a great joy to be with you, Church at Indian Lake. It's a great joy to be with you this morning. Uh, As we begin our time looking in the Word, would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord our God, we are so grateful for for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, Lord. We thank you that that you have stirred in us a desire to be, to come into the house of the Lord and to worship you, to sing our praises to you, Father, and to, to offer our prayers, our petitions, Lord, to cry out to you and to give to the work of the kingdom, Lord. Now, now Lord, we ask that, that as we open your word that our hearts would be soft to hear the message you have for us, Lord. Please, Lord, help us, help us to get, to grasp, to know what you'd have us to know this day. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would, open them to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And in honor of God's word, what I'm going to ask everybody to do is, when you get to Psalm 27, if you would just stand in honor of God's word. That way I'll know everybody's ready to begin when you're at Psalm 27. So when you get to Psalm 27, please just stand. And we'll hear God's word for us. Open your app. There you go. Scroll to it. All right, now, hear the word of God for the people of God this Lord's day. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, I just have to stop right there. I mean, is that not a great word? I mean, you're going to watch the Super Bowl later today, and you're going to see some great commercials, but none of them have a better message than what you just heard. Amen? Oh, my goodness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. It is indeed so good to be with you, and I want to express my thanks to Aaron for having me and for uh, that kind introduction. I did have Aaron as a student in my class, and I'll meet with the trustees later to talk about his performance. (laughs) You guys know he was a great student because he's a great student of of the word and he has a curiosity and he pursues knowledge and I know he I know you see that in him and it was such a joy to to have him in class and I thank you already for for your willingness to pray even this morning for union to think about union I want to encourage you to to continue to pray for union that we would be the institution that God has called us to be uh, in, in a day in Frankly, in our country, when a lot of people would like to see institutions like union disappear, be put out of business, we really need your prayers. So I want to invite you to pray with us. And as I've been going around preaching in the churches in Tennessee, I just ask people to use as a prompting from the Spirit. If you're driving down the street and you see a car in front of you that has a union bumper sticker or a union license plate, take that as a prompting from the Spirit to pray for union. Pray for the faculty. Pray for the staff. Pray for the students. Pray for the president. He needs it. Or if you're, if you're driving down uh, Indian Lake Boulevard and you look over and you see there our campus, just take that as a prompting from the Spirit to pray for union. Or if you open the newspaper in Hendersonville and there's a story about union, as there was this week, just offer up a quick prayer for union. Or watching the television station or listening to the radio, please pray for union. That's the, that's the very best thing that you can do for us, that we would indeed Be all that God intends us to be. And we're praying together. I would invite you to pray together the verse of Scripture that we're praying together as a community. We're praying Joshua 1-9 together uh, as a a university community this year. Joshua 1-9 says this. These are the words of God to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a good word, isn't it? Pray that with us, Joshua 1-9. Pray that with us this year. Recently, Mark Knoll, the historian, wrote a book called Jesus Christ and the Life of the Mind, and in it, he says this, he says, the greatest hope for Christian learning in our age or in any age lies not primarily in heightened activity, in better funding, or in strategizing for the task at hand, though all these matters play an important part. Rather, the great hope for Christian learning is to delve deeper into the Christian faith itself. And going deeper into the Christian faith means, in the end, learning more of Jesus Christ. You see, I, I think this describes us well at Union. You see, we work for and we hope for and we pray for heightened activity. It's why we built a campus here in Hendersonville, so that we could serve more students. We could, we could extend what we're doing to more people. That's why we built a new library on campus that you saw in the video. It's why we have a campus in Germantown right outside of Memphis, so that we can indeed influence more and more people for Christ. And we do hope for and pray for better funding at Union. We hope that people will see what we do, this Christ-centered higher education, and say, I want to make sure that's available to the young people in my church and in my community and help us to ensure that that's the case. And I want to ensure you that all of us who are in leadership at Union are strategizing for the task at hand, that we're constantly seeing how we can be better at what we currently do and how we can be prepared for whatever the future may hold. But more important than all of that, more important than heightened activity, more important than better funding, more important than strategizing for the task at hand, more important than all of that is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. That's what we're about at Union University. It's a pleasure to, to be with you. I serve as the president at Union, and before that I was president at East Texas Baptist University, and before that I served for 17 years at Baylor University, and before that I started, I got my start in higher education at Texas A&M University, uh, there in Texas. And and most of my life, most of my working life, I've been in student life. I've been in a, a student life educator, administrator, designing environments where students can flourish and, and help helping them to discern God's call on their lives, and then faithfully and courageously living out that call. But at each of those places, I've had a chance to teach classes. You see, God, God created me to be an educator. He made me to be an educator. That's what I'm to, to, to do, and that's who I am to be. And so I taught classes at a and and all the time I was at Baylor, and even at each of you. and obviously I taught Aaron's class at Union. I love to teach. Those of you who are teachers, do we have any teachers in the room? A few, it's okay, raise your hand. It's okay to raise your hand, teachers. Yeah, yeah, we love teachers. There is something special about a teacher, right? Even if even if you even if you aren't a teacher, you had a teacher that you love. And if you don't, Lord help you, goodness. But there's something special, right, about the relationship between between students and teachers. You know, when the teachers talk about that, when the door closes and you have a chance to to educate, and the light goes on for a student, how powerful that is. It doesn't matter if it's K through 12, or higher education, or even Sunday school, there's just something really blessed about the the opportunity to teach. And in college, we have um, course evaluations, right? Course evaluations, some of y'all nod, yes, I remember this. Uh, Students call them faculty evaluations. (laughs) The administrators call them course evaluations, but the students call them faculty evaluations. And students love it, right, because they get the last word on the professor. And sometimes I'll hear students say, I'm really going to let him have it on the evaluation. It's like, go get him. Good luck. Because after all the grades are in, after all the tests have been done and the papers are, are finished, the student gets to tell the professor what they think of them. And it's all electronic now, but it used to be, it used to be kind of paper and pencil, and you'd bubble in on the front, you know, it'd answer your question, what did you think of this professor? And it'd be like, he was super duper great, or he was really good, or eh, he's okay. Not so much, or I would never ever take this guy again, right? Some of you have filled these out, I can tell. And then you turn it over on the back, and there were three big blocks. You know, the first question was like, what did you enjoy most about this class? And then what could the professor do to improve, and then maybe other comments. But three big sort of free response places on the back. I I was reading through my course evaluations a few semesters back and and I came across one that just stopped me in my tracks. I'm reading, see all the stuff on the front, I'm turning over on the back, you know, reading what what students say and I flip one over and a student had written, if I only had an hour left to live, I'd want to spend it in Dr. Oliver's class. I know, right? Right? immediately sort of the pride starts to well up in me. Like, I'm really good at this, you know? I mean, I thought I was good, but I'm really good. And I'm like, I'm going to take this to the dean right now so he knows how good I am, right? How blessed he is to have me teaching. And then I read the rest of it. It started, if I only had an hour left to live, I'd want to spend it in Dr. Oliver's class because every minute in his class feels like a year in real life. (laughs) Easy come, easy go, right? <laughs> hey, I look forward to the next 25 years with you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I know you're busy. I know there's lots of things going on, and, and, and I would say I'm going to try to get you out before the pregame show starts, but it started yesterday, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I know you're busy. I know there's lots of things going on, and even you, maybe like, Maybe like I do sometimes when I'm driving up to church, it's like, Lord, please, you know all these things that are happening. I just want to focus on what you want me to hear. I know you're busy. I know there's lots of things going on. And so the time that we do have left this morning, I want to do three things with you. Three things. Very quickly, very briefly. I want to share one verse of scripture with you. I want to tell you one story. And I want to ask you one question three things, one verse of scripture, one story, one question. Now, if you ask the students at Union, does Dr. Dub always speak like this? They'll say, yeah, he does a lot. And the reason I do is because, because I know this. I know that in the time we have left this morning, you can memorize one verse of scripture. And if you did nothing else today but memorize one verse of scripture, it would be incredibly valuable to you, that you wouldn't have to look it up, that you could just call it from your mind to your heart, from your heart to your mind. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could memorize a verse of scripture today? And I know this, I know that, that Jesus used stories to help us understand the kingdom of God, right? And I'm going to share a story with you from my own life that helped reveal the glory of God in, in my life. And I hope it will be an encouragement to, for you to see God active in your life. And I know this, I know that if the question relates well to both the story and the scripture, it'll be a question that relates to you, reverberates throughout your life, not just today and this week, but by God's grace in the months and even years ahead. So in the time that we do have this morning, those are the three things we're going to do. One verse of scripture, one story, and one question. First, the scripture. The scripture for this morning, the scripture that we're going to put our mind's attention and our heart's affection on this morning is Psalm 27 verse 14, which says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14. Just say it over and over in your mind, even as I am speaking, and you'll have it memorized by the time you get out of here. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And let's, in fact, let's just say it together. Wait for the Lord. Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14. That's it. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Listen, waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not laziness. And waiting for God is not going to sleep. And waiting for God is not an abandonment of effort. Waiting for God is challenging, though, isn't it? I know I can get an amen on this. Waiting for God is challenging. In fact, if you're trying to keep an outline of, of the, the sermon today, that would be point one. Waiting is challenging. Waiting is challenging. Waiting for God is challenging. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. In fact, I think that the two most challenging commands in Scripture are wait and forgive. Now, we're only going to focus on wait today. If Aaron has me back, maybe we can do forgive. But today we're focused on wait, the command to wait, wait for the Lord Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand me on this. Don't misunderstand me on this. Waiting doesn't mean that we do nothing. It just means that we only do the things that God calls us to do, that God directs us to do. We know God directs us to pray always, right? So as we wait, we pray. We pray. We pray without ceasing. We pray in the morning and the evening. We pray during the noonday. We pray all the time, even as we wait. And we incline our hearts towards God, right? In fact, that's the purpose of our prayers, that our hearts might be conformed to His hearts. Our will conform to His will. Our way conformed to His way. And we prepare, right? We do the thing that God's direct us to do. Maybe... Maybe one of the things that you're doing, even as you're waiting, is that you're preparing in some way for whatever the future holds, whatever that desired thing is, even as we pray and incline our hearts towards Him, we prepare. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord, Psalm 27, verse 14. So you have the scripture now, I want to tell you a story. I have this bell here. That's a pretty good bell, isn't it? It's this brass bell, and on it is inscribed, Dr. Dub Oliver, Vice President, Student Life, 2006, Psalm 27, verse 14. And I want to say one more time before I start this story that the only reason for me to share this story is how it reveals God in my own life as an encouragement to you. I have this bell in my office. If you were to come to my office, you would see it there sitting on my shelf I don't necessarily notice it every day, but you've probably got stuff like this too, right? In your house or your office, things that, that sometime when you see it, maybe even the Spirit prompts you, you see it, and it's a reminder of God's favor, God's grace, God's faithfulness in your life. Such is this bell for me. The story begins for me in June of 2005. In June of 2005, when I was named the Interim Vice President for Student Life at Baylor University. And it was a, an incredible, wonderful thing that happened for me when I was named Interim Vice President for Student Life at Baylor. In fact, just to give you a little, a little context for this, is that being Vice President for Student Life at Baylor was, was sort of my penultimate career goal. Okay, this was, the, this was the thing that I really hoped for. You know sort of that when people ask you, like, what job, if you had it, you'd keep it forever? That was that job for me, all right? It was the job that that once I got to it, if I ever got to it, it would be the only place I would ever go. Susie, my wife, and I, we'd even built a house on campus because we were so all in. We were so invested there, so much a part of this. And so it was was really exciting to be named the, the interim vice president for student life. Now, I know some of you have probably picked up on that word interim, and you're probably thinking maybe there's something to do with that it's part of this story. And you're right. Interim means, right, that you're there for a time, maybe not there permanently. And and I knew that when I was appointed interim vice president for student life, I was appointed by an interim president. And I understood that, but I still was excited about it. In October of 2005, uh, a new president came to Baylor. And for the purposes of this story, we're going to call him John, okay? we're gonna We're going to use the name John for him. Now, the main reason we're going to use John for his name is because that is his name. And it's easier for me to keep it straight. So John comes in October of 2005, and I meet with him the first time in November of 2005, and, and I did something that, that, that that was directed by God for me to do. Now, I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm not saying I expect other people to do this. I'm just saying I did what what God asked me to do. And that was this, God had had worked on me and taught me that whenever a new president came in, that I should resign. I should offer my resignation to the president because when a new president comes in, he wants to pick his own team. It's kind of like when a head coach comes in, you know, and they often want to pick their own assistant and associate coaches. And I wanted to make sure that whoever I was serving with wanted me on their team, right? I didn't want to be somewhere where they didn't want me. Okay, so you, you kind of get this. Now, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying that this is what the Lord was doing, doing with me. And so I typed up my resignation letter to offer to John. Now, I, I need to be honest with you. We prayed a lot that he would not accept that letter, okay? I'm being honest. I, I prayed, we prayed a lot that he would not accept that letter. But November 2005 came and I slid that letter across the, the table to, to John. And he opened it and he read it. And he said, don't be silly, of course you're staying. Whew, what a relief. He started in January of 2006, is when, when he started January 1st of 2006. And, and I had my first meeting with him on the last week of January in 2006. And you know I was sort of uh, a little bit, I guess, lower on the, the pecking order of things. And so he didn't get around to me until about the third week. But that's, that's cool. And during the meeting, he said that that he was going to have a search for all of the the positions that were open. There were five of us who were serving as interim vice president at the time. Five people who were sort of in the same boat that I was in. Now, just just to be fair to John, because I definitely want to be fair to John, what he actually said was, I'm going to have a search for your position. What I heard him say is, we're going to have a search for all these positions. Okay, You know, sometimes you hear things just a little different. The first week of February, in fact, it was February 3rd, Friday, February 3rd. So the anniversary of this just happened this last week. February 3rd was the first Board of Regents meeting that, that John, for John's presidency. And, and at that meeting on February 3rd, 2006. It was just this great day because we approved the largest construction project at that time at Baylor, and I was in charge of it, and it was really exciting. Like, like sort of one of these really great professional moments. You know, those days where you're like, "Wow, we did it. This is awesome. This is going to really advance the institution. It's super duper great. Those kind of things. You know, really good. And I had been asked to to do the devotional um, that morning at the Board of Regents meeting, and you know, I thought that was really good too, and I can tell you think this sermon's wonderful, so you can imagine how good that was. And at the end of that meeting on February 3rd, John announced that two of the five vice presidents he was naming permanent without a search. And I wasn't one of them. And so a day that, that, that was sort of this professional accomplishment and wonder all of a sudden was boom, cut down, right? And it hurt, it hurt really bad it 's not that I didn 't think those those others deserved to be named permanent. I did right and it 's not that i didn't rejoice with them in, the, in in that good news I did, but it still hurt right that I had been passed over that that others had been seen more worthy than I, and I went home that night in a lot of pain. maybe you've been there, somebody not if you've been there yeah and and Susie and I had had dinner together and, and just, again, to be as transparent as possible, we had a good cry together about it and, and wondered what was going on. Really hurting. And one of the things I, I, I do is I read the one-year Bible. Now, I'm not trying to sell you the one-year Bible. I'm not trying to get you to do what I do, except this, I think, not I think, this is truth. If you're in God's Word every day, your life is going to be better, period. Figure out how to do it. Get in God's Word every single day. This has been really helpful for me. Every day, there's a passage from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's a Psalm and a Proverb. Every day, you read through the whole Bible every year. It's awesome. I love it. You do something to be in God's Word every day. So I read. And I do. my practice is to do it at night because... At the end of a day, when I've had to deal with some of the things that maybe are not as nice to think about, what I want when I fall asleep is I want God's Word going through my mind as I fall asleep. And so that's why I do it at night. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in the middle of the day. You can do it anytime. Just do it. I was doing it at night, so um, Callie and our daughter and Susie had gone on to bed, and I'm there in my study, in the quietness of my study, and I'm reading the Scriptures and the Psalm for February 3rd is Psalm 27, which ends with verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And the next morning when Susie woke up, I said, the Lord gave me a verse last night. She's like, what is it? I tell her, Psalm 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. She said, I think you better write that on an index card so I can put it on my mirror. (laughs) So we did put it up. Well, that day, so that's February 4th, 2006, is like a premier day. You know, people are coming to visit campus to, to, to see about things. And I didn't have any responsibilities, so I didn't need to go to work, except that we had um, agreed that some friends of ours who were coming to bring their daughter, um, Fred and Lu- Luann, were bringing their daughter, Camille, and I would promised to give them a tour of campus. And Susie's like, honey, they'll understand. Just call them and say you don't feel well. Just tell them, you know, just sort of I woke up hurting again. I just, you know, just wasn't into it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, no, no, I need to go. And she's like, they'll understand. And I did what you have done sometimes and maybe you're going to be called on to do it some other time and just soldier up and go on and do what you committed to do even if you're hurting, even if you're in pain, if you've committed to do something that is unto the Lord, just go and do it, right? So I go and meet and meet Fred and, and Luann and Camille there in the student center to have a cup of coffee before we go on the tour. And we're, we're um, visiting there and having a nice visit. And in walks John. Hi, John. And he comes over and and he speaks to us, which was nice. We had a pleasant conversation and Fred and Luann are really sweet and they say really sweet things about me to John, which I'm thankful for at this point. Anything helps, John walks away and we're visiting and and Luann says, so when's he gonna make you permanent? (laughs) And I'm right back in the flesh and I'm like, why don't you ask him? I have this, I have this arrangement with the Lord. Until He makes me perfect, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you the way it is, okay? And so um, so I was like, let's go, let's, you know, let's go walk around. So we go walk around and we walk outside the student center. And I know most of you have not been there, and so you're sort of imagining in your mind's eye this. But we walk out of the student center and, and Patneth Hall, which is the main administration building at Baylor, is right there. And one of the things that that I love about this particular building is that it has scriptures etched in the north and the south ends of the building, up up um, kind of on top of the building. There's scriptures and, and, and on the, the um north end it's um Proverbs eight eleven, which is wisdom is better than rubies. Wisdom is better than rubies. And on the south end it's Psalm 119 verse 105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that. And so I'm talking to Camille about this and and um, one of the things that, that Pat and F has this, uh, about the fourth floor, it has this big deck outside where you can overlook the campus. And I said, would you guys like to go look at, overlook the campus, which is really weird. I didn't hardly ever go up there, but I was like, that'd be a cool view for them. You know, I'm trying to to get my mind off of things. and encourage them. And so they're like, sure. So we go up there. I have the keys to patent F um, because I'm in charge of my other duties as assigned is I flip the light switch. The lights on the tower are green when Baylor wins and they're white when Baylor loses. They were white a lot of the time I was there. (laughs) They're green a lot more now. But anyway, so we go up there and we're looking out over the, the campus there and up then in the tower, sort of in a, a smaller tower that goes up that has a dome on it, is this, this carillon, this set of bells. And I said to, to Fred and Luann and Camille, I was like, would you like, guys like to go see the bells? Now, the only thing that I can tell you is I must have been caught up in the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, or somehow um, pressed to say that because I had never been up there before. I had never been up in this tower, and I'm asking these people, I'm inviting these people to go up into a space that I don't know. And they're like, uh, sure. So we go up there, you take the elevator as high up as you can go, and then you sort of walk this circular staircase up to this little anteroom, and then there's this sort of ship's ladder that goes straight up to a hatch, right, that you open, and then there's sort of a deck that you stand on, and the bells are all around you as you get up there. So you're about, you know, you're... Uh, at least over 100 feet up in the air, but anyway, really high up when you get up there um, in, in the hatch. And so we climb up there, we climb up, open the hatch. Now, Now this carillon, the, these set of bells, there are 48, 48 cast bronze bells in this carillon, and the smallest is about 6 inches and weighs about 30 pounds. It's about this size, weighs about 30 pounds. The largest is 6 feet in diameter and weighs 4,370 pounds, all right? So, you know, little bells to big bell, right? I open up the hatch, I step out, and and right when you turn to the right is the largest bell, that one that's six feet in diameter that weighs 4,370 pounds. And I turn to the right and I look and inscribed on the bell, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14. And I said, Lord, you don't need to ring it. You do not need to ring it. No, sir. I have got it. I have got it. This is the verse for this season. This is what you want me to know. This is how you want me to live. I will do it. On February 9th, right after that, we had a staff meeting. I invited all of the Student Life staff to come together. There were about 250, 300 in a room a lot like this. They're all gathered. I want John to have a really good experience with him. I want them to to love John and be encouraged by John and about John. And so... So I worked really hard on John's introduction, and I'm just telling you, I nailed it. And how I know that I nailed his introduction was he was crying on the front row before he got up because of what I said about him. That's a good introduction. Okay? He gets up, has a, a time, and then he invites questions. And... Um, this young man, Matt Bono, raises his hand and John calls him and says, yes. And Matt says, Dr. Lilly, we, we love our interim vice president. We, we cannot express to you how much we love our, our interim vice president. And there's sort of some murmuring through the crowd like, uh-huh, 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 yeah, mm-hmm, amen, uh-huh, we love him, right? And... That's encouraging to me, but I'm sitting on the front row thinking, oh no, this is going to go badly, this is going to go badly, this is going to go badly. And he says, we're just wondering, we're all wondering, when are you going to name him permanent vice president? And John says, if Dub wore a skirt, this wouldn't be an issue. It was about that quiet. if Dub wore a skirt, this wouldn't be an issue. Now, in case you missed that, what he was saying was, I want a woman in his place. Now, the reality is that there are women, even in this room, who have, been, who have had the pain of the opposite thing happening to them. Either way, it's wrong and it hurts. Waiting is challenging, right? Right? Waiting is challenging. But you know what? You can walk in confidence of even what the Lord is doing. Here's some examples. One from the Old Testament, right? Joseph, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, says to his brothers, look, what you intended for evil, God used for good, right? I could say the same thing to John. You can say the same thing to whoever hurts you. Or in the New Testament, right? In, the, in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together according to God's purposes for those who love him, right? All things, all things. In my situation, there were lots of people who wanted me to, to do certain things, or they wanted to endorse them doing certain things. There were people who wanted to start a letter-writing campaign. There were people who wanted to collect petitions, signature on petitions. There were people even who wanted to pick at the president's office. That's not a good idea. Okay, that's definitely not a good idea. There were people who were handing me briefing sheets on other candidates. Listen, waiting doesn't mean we do nothing, but we don't do that stuff. We do the thing that God calls us to do pray, incline our hearts towards Him, and prepare to do the interior work, the internal work that He wants us to do, prepared for the future that He has for us. On April 18th, that year, we had an executive council meeting. This is all the the VPs together. And at that executive council meeting, John announces to all the other vice presidents that he's gonna name my friend Randall to be the permanent provost from the interim position. And Randall deserved that. Randall was awesome. And that was all done without a search. Now, in case you're keeping score, There were five interim VPs at the start. Two were named that first time. One's named now, and the other one left the institution because he said, I'm not going to go through a search to do a position I've been doing. And that left me awesome. You need to know something crucial at this point. Waiting requires trust, and this is point two. If you're keeping an outline, point two. Waiting requires trust. Here's another reason that you can have confidence. Look at verse 13. Waiting requires trust. Here's the promise of God. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, our God is so good that he has eternity secured for us. And he also comes that we might have life and to the full here and now. We don't have to wait for heaven for him to, to see him and to see his abundance and to know his grace. It's here every moment of every day if we'll but open our eyes and see it. So I didn't apply for other jobs, even though people said, you are crazy for not applying for other jobs. Even though search consultants came and said, I've got a great job for you, and they were great jobs i said no the lord has said wait and that's what i'm going to do listen you either trust god with your life or you don't let me say that again you either trust god with your life or you don't and if you don't trust god you cannot wait if you don't trust god you cannot wait Uh, Other people, even, even one of my mentors applied for this position. It was a tough time, but God said, wait, and I said, I trust God. And here's a third thing you know. Here's point three, if you're following along. Waiting is challenging. Waiting requires trust. But know this too, waiting builds trust. Waiting builds trust. We're driving down the road one day, Susie Um, And Callie and I, Callie at this point is about 13 years old. You can imagine sort of the turmoil in a 13-year-old's life. Is dad going to have a job at the end of the year? Where are we going to be? She's like a, you know, a a freshman in high school. Can you imagine just sort of the turmoil of that? We're driving down the road. I'm trying to be strong for my family. I'm trying to be the best I can for my family. Dads, I know you're out there trying to do the exact same thing. And Susie says, hey, dad, Um, Callie and I have something we want to say to you. And I was like, okay. And Susie says, Callie wants to say it. I said, okay. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Daddy, we love you. And it doesn't matter where God leads us. It's going to be fine. Can you imagine how the Holy Spirit must have moved on that 13-year-old girl to be able to speak that truth to her father. Oh, man, waiting builds trust. Let me tell you something else, too. You get get a paycheck. Most of it's direct deposited now. I understand that. But it'll say where that money's coming from. Don't you believe it? It doesn't come from Union University. My provision doesn't come from University. It comes from God. I don't care whose name is on your check. God is your provider. You can walk in confidence because he has provided for you, he is providing for you, and he will provide for you. In the most difficult circumstances, God will give you power and peace until God speaks. We dare not speak and we dare not move. Here's a couple of scriptures that will encourage you, Isaiah 40, 30 and 31, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Or Psalm 130, verses five and six, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. I went through my interview process a couple days on campus, and we're there in, in the last interview on the last day in Patton F. Hall, sitting around this round table. You can sort of imagine it in your mind's eye. And the last question of the last interview of two days, someone from the search committee says, Doug, we need to ask you something. I said, Okay. They said, we want to give you a situation. The situation is this, that you've been tasked by the president to give three names unranked to him for him to choose. And you've been through the process and you've interviewed all the people and you've gone through all of the things that you've been through, but you know that there's only one person of those three who should be in this position. There's only one. You're all convinced of it. There should only be one. Do you only forward one name or do you forward three names? Now, you and I both know I thought I was the one. You're hoping I was the one, aren't you? (laughs) And I said, let me tell you something. I would forward the three names because that's what the president asked you to do. And I want you to know that I trust the process. I trust what's happened here. I trust you. And I want you to know something else. I trust John. I know some people have said that I shouldn't, but I do. And the reason I can trust John, and I can trust you, and I can trust this process is because I trust God. I trust God. I mean, how could I not? There's a bell weighing 4,370 pounds. 100 feet over my head. I got the job. You guys knew that already, though, didn't you? July 6th was a great day, filled of exhilaration. You know, there were lots of texts and emails and phone calls, people congratulating me, and uh, just such an exciting day. The exhilaration of that day was such a beautiful contrast and such a wonderful contrast to that February 3rd day. But the same is true at the end of every day, even though on February 3rd, I might have trouble falling asleep because my spirit was hurting. On July 6th, I would have trouble falling asleep because my spirit was so excited. God's Word is the place to go, isn't it? So I opened God's Word, and I was, I have to tell you, I was very expectant about what God, what God would have for me there. So I opened to the Old Testament, a first Chronicles genealogy. I struggle. (laughs) Then Acts 24, and then Psalm 4, which ends in verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isn't God good? Yes, indeed, O Lord, you make me dwell in safety hey, can I tell you one more thing? I know we're running a little late, but let me tell you one more thing because I wanted to be encouraged to you. I walked out of that last interview and a professor from Baylor, uh, whose name is Tricia Nunley, followed me out. I had gotten down the hall and she said, "Dub." I said, yes. She said, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. She said, you did such a great job. Thank you so much. I was like, oh, thanks, Tricia. She said, you know, I, I didn't want to be on this search committee because of what John had said in that staff meeting a few months back. She said, I told him, I'm not gonna be party to a search committee where you've already made up your mind. And she said, he, he convinced me that he, was, he would be open to your being named vice president. She said, but let me tell you what's gonna happen. I said, okay. She said, what's gonna happen is you're gonna be named vice president at Baylor, and in a few years, one of the Baptist schools is gonna see you and is going to come and call you as their president. And I said, Trisha, I don't know about all that, but I know this, I'm trusting in the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So you have the scripture, and I've told you a story. And so that just leaves the question. And the question is this, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for this morning? What problem are you wanting him to solve? What pain are you wanting him to heal? What direction are you wanting him to give? I don't pretend to know all of the all of the things you're waiting for, all the questions that you've got, all the things that are burdening you this morning. But I do know this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this particular word, Lord. And we ask you through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might indeed wait for the Lord, that we might indeed be strong and take heart, have courage and wait for him, that we may not move until he says move, that we not go until he says go.